Anders Arneson, and they have an incredible story of going from a cancer patient and a steak-loving Marine to being really fit vegan athletes. Please welcome them to the show. I'm so happy to meet you guys. Uh, thank you so much, AJ. It's yeah, a pleasure to be here. <laughs> yeah, I, I love your story because I, you know, I can do all I want about weight loss and veganism for 43 years, but I'm not going to inspire men to necessarily go vegan. But we got a Marine and we got, a, you know, a cancer, ex-cancer patient. So tell us how, how you guys came to be vegan gym brothers. Yeah, totally. Well, we are actually physical, actual brothers, <laughs> uh, which we don't look anything alike. Um, but I'll let Leif kind of start off the story because it, it starts with his uh, kind of cancer scare and everything. And then I'll, I'll weave in and out whenever I can. <laughs> yeah. So um, I was always kind of into health and fitness. And when I was going through college, I started getting really into weight training. And that was kind of like the main thing that I was focusing on in terms of what I wanted to do for my fitness. And I had done uh, long distance running. I was a cross country runner throughout high school. So I had a lot of kind of running endurance backgrounds, uh, but I was also super thin and I was pretty fast, but I didn't have kind of any muscle mass. And when I got to, um, when I got to college, I was just kind of skinny and uh, I really wanted to start changing that. So I decided to shift from of the endurance training to more weight training and kind of in that process i started learning about um like consuming more protein and all of these different things that i was um told i needed to focus on like start taking these supplements take the protein make sure you're eating lots of meat and doing all this stuff and so i just kind of went through check the boxes and just uh followed these kind of bodybuilding style nutrition programs and I thought I was all healthy because I would eat uh, like lean meats and I would do all of these things like consuming lots of uh, veggies and things like that. So I felt like I had a really healthy diet um, and I felt pretty, pretty good and I was relatively fit. Um, but as I got into my senior year of college, um, I had this lump that was kind of right uh, below my belly button. And it was kind of at the base of my abdomen and I, um, it ended up kind of being right under my belt buckle and it would just, my pants, whenever I'd sit down, it would just kind of press on this lump and it didn't hurt too much at first, but it started hurting more and more and it kind of grew a little bit and it was kind of generally concerning to me. So I went to the doctor and, uh, just a general practitioner and I told him about it. And he said, oh, don't worry, it's just a harmless cyst. Uh, so I didn't worry about it for another couple months, but it got to the point where I could no longer ignore it. And I just said, you know what? Uh, I don't care if it's just a harmless cyst. Um, this is like having an effect on <laughs> my quality of life because it just was painful. And so I ended up um, scheduling a surgery. I went to see a, a urologist and, and we kind of scheduled a surgery and he was a little skeptical about it being a cyst. Um, but he didn't say too much about it. He's like, it seems a little, it seems a little strange to be just kind of a harmless cyst, like your doctor said. So we'll look into it, but, um, we're not going to know for sure until we, um, extract it and then take a, a biopsy. So we did as I went into surgery, surgery was successful, everything went perfectly fine. And a few days later, I was called into my surgeon's office and he, he said, um, 
Leif, the biopsy just came back and you, um, it turned out uh, to test positive for a very rare form of cancer. And that just completely shattered my world. And um, I don't really remember the rest of that conversation because uh, I just totally um, kind of just dumbstruck by, by this new reality. How old were you so, at the time, if I may ask? I was 21. Wow, that's so, gotta be that's gotta be like rock your world to hear that in your family. It's yeah, it's so weird because I yeah we have no history of cancer in our family, and I had I felt like I was doing everything right with my nutrition and training, and I had been um, like I was relatively fit. I was obviously young, and I had no other serious medical anything in my background. So it just seemed like it came totally out of left field, and I. Um, the next week I was scheduling, uh, my first visit to an oncologist and kind of starting to go through that whole process. I ended up having two oncologists through kind of the entire journey, um, because the type of cancer that I had, uh, Langerhans cell histiocytosis is incredibly rare and there's very little known about it. So, um, my mom, I uh, kind of dropped everything. She runs her own business and she kind of dropped everything to look around uh, the East Coast for any oncologist who had experience with this. So we ended up getting a, an oncologist who was local um, for some appointments. And we also uh, drove about, uh, was, we drove to Annapolis, which was about three hours for us to go to a, another oncologist who actually had patients previously with LCH. So and just kind of going through that, I was just, um, it just completely shattered my world. I was, that happened um, just a few weeks before I went back to school for my senior year. And I still went to school and I was trying to like do studies and then I'd go home um, on Friday evenings and we would do, or, or earlier like Thursdays and we would do, um, we'd go through and, and uh, schedule appointments to see the oncologist. So that whole experience was just uh, really traumatic. And um, I just seeing kind of the inside of oncology centers, having to do paperwork at oncology centers and just constantly reinforcing the idea that this is a that this is real was really kind of um was was really uh pretty pretty traumatic for me so ended up um going through a bunch of tests and they scanned every inch of my body uh in many different ways i got lots of different biopsies and they were doing um all of these tests and um it uh eventually all the tests came back negative and the, um, the cancer had not spread, um, which was obviously a huge relief. There are different levels um, as there are in all cancers uh, for LCH. And thankfully I had what's known as unifocal LCH, which is just a, a single point. And they removed the tumor successfully um, in surgery and it didn't have a chance to spread. So that was an enormous relief to me, um, but it gave me such a different perspective on life, what it means to be healthy, and really um, just kind of facing your mortality at such a young age is pretty, 
pretty dramatic. And it, uh, it really kind of shifted my perspective on what's important to me, like what do I need to focus on in life? And then also when it comes to health, I started realizing that um, the traditional kind of medical world is not necessarily promoting health, but promoting just um, uh, sticking a Band-Aid on some existing problem instead of actually focusing on prevention. So that was a huge eye-opening experience for me. And I just started, uh, even though I had gotten the all clear for um, the cancer not spreading, my oncologist still pushed for preventative chemo and they said, Hey, this is really an option that I think you should consider. And it just didn't make any sense to me. Like just, just, um, kind of poisoning your body to try to become healthier just didn't make any sense to me. And I'm very glad that I had that realization and didn't go down that path. Um, I understand why some people do and, I did feel kind of pressured, thankfully not from my parents. They were very supportive, but from the medical community, I felt pretty pressured. And um, I ended up uh, saying no to that. And then I started looking for more preventative methods for kind of going through and um, making sure that this never happened again to me. So I started studying uh, alternative lifestyle medicine and different kind of lifestyle changes that I could make. And I eventually came across um, the China study and I read that um, in the span of like two weeks. And I was just super, um, just super blown away by all the research behind the, behind uh, like the effects of your diet on how uh, diseases can manifest in your body, specifically cancer. So I started just doing more and more research and ended up shifting my diet to uh, go plant-based. And then shortly thereafter, I stumbled across um, the documentary Earthlings. And that just threw open a whole new world of kind of this, um, this stuff that I never thought about. So I got exposed to kind of the traditional medical world and realizing that this wasn't a kind of preventative uh, path. So I ended up looking for that. And then in um, kind of through that, I realized that the diet that that everyone's diet is, has far more of an impact than just on your uh, health and well being. So I started getting uh, really interested in um, kind of uh, animal rights stuff and environmental protection and just um, just realizing that our lifestyle change, our lifestyle choices have such a dramatic impact on everything um, in the world. And I and so I looking back now, I'm incredibly grateful that I went through that experience um, in the time and even shortly thereafter. I was I I felt um, I felt like it wasn't fair. Like life wasn't fair. I felt like it. Um, I was just handed kind of a a rotten deck or whatever. And, uh, I felt like it, uh, just, um, I, I was, life wasn't fair. So that was a huge shift for me. And then I just started, um, for about the first year, I just went really, uh, down the path of whole food, um, high nutrition, uh, style eating. And I just learned as much as I possibly could about, um, 
uh, everything related to disease prevention through plant-based eating. And then from that point, um, I kind of, I was still trying to get back into fitness. Um, I got out of, um, I got off track with all my workouts and stuff as I went through that experience, but then I started trying to get back into it. Uh, at this point I was vegan and I just, I really was struggling at the beginning to, um, both balance kind of the stuff that I was learning in terms of nutrition and focusing on health with, uh, achieving specific fitness results. So I kind of, I have what I had, what I would call kind of like a skinny fat physique. Like I, I had like pretty low muscle tone and I wasn't fat, but I didn't, I didn't feel fit. And it was annoying to me because I felt like my nutrition was so dialed in and I was still doing training, but like something wasn't working. So that's when I started uh, doing more research into kind of fitness based nutrition um, and then making tweaks to my already healthy diets to uh, kind of balance both achieving uh, physique results while also maintaining my health um, and kind of having the best of both of those worlds. So that's where I started just publishing content online, started um, the, uh, I started the vegan gym and I just started publishing on Instagram and publishing articles. And then people started asking me for recipes or to do meal plans for them or asked if I did coaching and stuff like that. And at the time I was working uh, full-time as an engineer, that's what I went to school for. And um, it, uh, it was kind of eye-opening that people cared about my journey and wanted to learn more. So I started just telling people and sharing that stuff. And um, yeah, uh, shortly kind of, I guess it was a few years into that journey when um, Anders came uh, back from the Marines. So he served in the Marines and he can yeah. share kind of his story, but that's where things merge. Yeah, totally. Um, so everything that you just heard about Leif's story and that background was held back from the family because I was, while he was going through that stuff, I was deployed. Um, and so they didn't want me to deal with those thoughts and, and so forth, knowing that my brother's going through a cancer scare. Um, so yeah, I served in the Marine Corps from 2012 to 2016. Um, and I first got into health and fitness when I was 16 years old. Um, it was really my outlet to uh, get into uh, like building confidence and to feel in control of something in my life. And I just really just attached to it and loved it. Um, so right out of high school, went into the, the military, served in the Marine Corps for those four years. Um, and when I got out, um, like they're, they're all about training, like every single day, day in, day out, you're training, but the nutrition piece is far from the right approach in the military. <laughs> okay. They have the, the eat big, get men big mentality. They say, oh, you have to have meat for protein. Uh, you have the MREs that are just filled with, I don't even know, want to know what is exactly in MREs. Um, but all this, all this stuff is like, they're promoting uh, athleticism, which is great, but they're not telling, teaching you about the nutrition side of things. So when I actually got out of the military, um, I guess to give you a little context, I went into military at 120 to 125 pounds, somewhere around there. And I'm, I'm that's what nine. I weigh. <laughs> <laughs> How tall are you guys? I, I'm five, nine. Wow. So, yeah. um, I'm five, 11. Yeah. So 
when I got out of the military, I was 195 pounds. So in four years, I gained all that weight. Um, and although I built up strength and built up muscle throughout that period, um, it was definitely not efficient for one. But for two, um, looking back on pictures, uh, and you can see that on like our, our platforms and everything, I was inflamed, I was bloated, you can tell I looked sick. Um, and so when I moved out uh, and moved back uh, to uh, Lancaster, which is where we're at in Pennsylvania, started living with Leif. Um, and that was when I first was starting to realize or being told of what he had to go through. And so there's this kind of like division in the household with him. Okay. So like he has all this information, his little brother comes back. He's like, you need to do this. You need to do that with this nutrition. You are extremely unhealthy. And as brothers do, we kind of bash each other and, and talk trash and so forth. Um, so like he would have like once one half of the refrigerator, all vegetables. And my other half would be like animal based products and stuff. And I just didn't see what he was trying to explain. Um, and so he eventually got me to, to go vegetarian uh, for a little while. Um, so I cut out meat completely uh, just because I do like to experience things. I do like to um, see, okay, well, how do I get to another level of athleticism? Uh, and that's kind of was my mentality at the moment. Um, and so immediately when I dropped uh, uh, meat products, um, I started to lean out completely. I dropped about 40 pounds um, over uh, like a six month window, uh, which was mind blowing to me because I've never seen actual ripped abs before. And I started to see that come in. Um, and so the, I started thinking, oh, maybe there's something to this. Uh, and I wanted to take it one step further. And when I committed to my first bodybuilding show, I also committed to veganism that day. Um, and I didn't know what to expect. I was scared. I didn't, I, I didn't know if it was going to help me or not. Um, and so I went through that, that whole period of getting ready for a contest prep. Um, and I, I competed and I got first place. Um, and that just really solidified and crushed every single limiting belief that I had uh, about needing animal products um, in order to succeed in the fitness space. Um, so I just said to myself, like, if I'm able to do this as a vegan, why would I do anything else? Because I was able to take first. Um, and that was something where it uh, started the journey with Leif and I to really build uh, the vegan gym. Um, and for me personally, it was all about sports uh, and to better my health and fitness and athleticism. But now I think as most vegans are, you become well-rounded with the ethics and the animal rights and so forth. And so we're just in, on a mission now to help other vegans to, to do the exact same thing that we have. Um, and that's how we came about the vegan gym. Yeah. You want to, you want to talk about a little bit more of that because you're the one that was building it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, just at this point, we've, uh, we've, helped tens of thousands of vegans to build muscle, shred body fats, uh, get into better shape and improve their health. And that's really what we've kind of formed as our mission. So our mission is to help a million vegans get into the best shape of their lives. 
And the reason that matters so much to us is not only do we want to help those million vegans to see kind of what's possible for themselves and to increase their levels of self-confidence and feel better about uh, kind of their potential and what's possible for them, but then the ripple effect of those people transforming their bodies is that it inspires other people to choose um, a plant-based lifestyle to make more positive choices and to become fit and healthy. Um, and obviously that has a massive impact on helping save more animals and helping to save the planet. So that's our mission. That's what we've been doing for the last few years. And um, we work together every day, which is pretty awesome. And we've got a whole team that's, uh, yeah, we're, that's working, working to do this. Working with your family is not too bad. <laughs> that, yeah. that is, this is such a great story. You guys plan to write a book or do a documentary because you both have such great stories of how this occurred and coming together to make a big difference in people's lives and their health. Yeah. Well, we haven't, uh, we haven't uh, thought about writing a book about our story, but uh, you do have a book. Uh, yeah, I, I wrote a book called Vegan Fat Shredding Secrets, and it's just um, a book about vegan fat loss, but uh, it goes into my story. I think there's probably another book that we would uh, maybe write at some point or do like a mini documentary or something. We've actually- Maybe the Game Changers 2.0. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see what kind of happens with that, but it's, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely something we're thinking about. So did the whole family come on board? Is the whole family plant-based now because of you guys? Pretty much. So uh, yeah, so our sister is, um, our mom is what, what would you say? Like 98%? Yeah. Based? Yeah. She, I think she does like a little like cheese. Uh, it's cheese every cheese, now and again yeah. for her. <laughs> that, that's her thing. She likes pizza occasionally. And Always the not, cheese. Isn't oh, it? Totally. Totally. It's like 98% is way better than 50%. So um, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So our, our dad's right around the same. Our stepdad is uh, very much animal, uh, well, meat lover. <laughs> yeah, we're still working on him. <laughs> we're working on him. We're still working. On he, he's people. come leaps and bounds since, uh, since we went vegan. Um, so our immediate family is, um, yeah, essentially all just plant-based, which is awesome. That's incredible. Um, do you have to worry about the cancer anymore? Like, do you have to get scans or how often do you, do you have to deal with that? No, it's, um, so I was totally cleared when they went through kind of all the scans and stuff. And um, there were some uh, like screenings that I was supposed to do at like a year and two years and stuff. I ended up kind of um, opting out of those because it just, um, the whole experience was so traumatic for me that I just, didn't really want anything to do with it. I'm just focusing more on, um, I, for me personally, I felt like doing some of those tests was also perhaps detrimental to my health is everyone needs to make their own decisions. So I'm only talking for myself. Um, and I, I have no medical expertise, but from research I've done, I just felt like that was not in line with my vision of health. So, um, no, I haven't been doing kind of follow-up things, but, uh, it's been seven years now and I'm healthier than ever. So, um, just, uh, continuing to really focus on nutrition, make sure I'm making all the right choices when it comes to not just nutrition, but also what personal products I'm using, what water I'm drinking and other things like that. So. Have you met anybody else with this rare cancer? Any idea, any speculation on what causes this? Yeah, there are um, a few theories. Uh, it's roughly, the prevalency is roughly about one in a million people who um, have uh, been diagnosed with this. So it's it's an incredibly rare form of cancer. 
And uh, the oncologist that I worked with had only uh, seen two other cases of it. So I have never met anyone else who, who went through the same experience. I heard of one story. It was, um, a, it was like a friend of a friend of somebody who follows us and he sent me an email and we just kind of went back and forth on that. So I know of one other person, but not personally. And it's um, what's the kind of cause behind it is, um, is relatively unknown. Uh, they say just some of the normal stuff like uh, it might be family history, might be some kind of environmental, something you were exposed to when you were younger or something like that. So there are a few theories, but there's uh, nothing concrete that I've seen. Well, you know what? It's going to, sorry, my doggy wanted to say hello. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> you. you know what? It's great for, it'll be a great dating thing. If, if you know, if, it'd be a great line. Say, hey, look, baby, I'm one in a million. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can actually, I can. I don't know why now. you don't use that anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I think it's, I, the stat that I saw is one in 970,000. So not quite one in a million, but, but you, can, you can round up. <laughs> yeah, I guess you great. can round. That is great. Could, could you, uh, if you, I don't know if you could ever get deployed again. I don't know how that works once you're in the military, but now that you're eating this way, how, how, what did you think about the food when you were there compared to the way you eat now? Oh, it's <laughs> night and day. I don't, I don't even know where to start to answer that question. Um, the, so I know the military has become a lot more vegan friendly um, or at least plant-based friendly um, because they have created, I actually uh, just talked to uh, another military member that joined our coaching program today uh, that he was in the Marines and he was telling me that they have two um, new MREs, which are meals ready to eat that are completely vegan. Um, really? And yeah, super cool. Wow. Um, and I, I, how do MREs really taste? Uh, it, it, it's kind of like Russian roulette with the ones you get, you don't get a pick and choose. They kind of just throw you one and most of them suck, but there's a few that uh, taste pretty good. Uh, how hard would it be to make them taste good and make them healthier? I, I just don't understand why that's somebody's not doing this as a business it, opportunity. Well, the, the, the thing that that's true. I don't, I don't know why I, I think the, the main reason that they're the way that they are is because when I was in the military, I was eating MREs that were made in the 1960s. <laughs> are you serious? So, I, I'm not even kidding. Yeah. Um, so like they have a shelf life of like a hundred years or something like that. Oh my so God. you can only imagine what's in them. Yeah. I don't think you can possibly make that healthy. <laughs> That is crazy. I mean, that the fact that it has a forever shelf life leads me to believe it's not very healthy. Oh, one hundred percent, it's not. Yeah. It, so it, the um, I I am so grateful for my experience in the military. It shaped me to who I am. But like, there's a lot of stuff that um, I completely disagree with with how things are operated. Um, but that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> right. Right. Oh my but goodness. As far as like on bases, though the. There are what we call chow halls, uh, where you kind of go for your meals if you live on base. Um, they do have salad bars. They do have uh, a good variety of foods, but the the main courses are always animal based. Um, I'm not sure of the what the what they do right now. I'm sure that they have more plant based options. Great. Well, uh, but I know well, that's I been a big movement in the military. Everybody asks almost every guest that's ever been on this show, "What do you guys eat in a day?" Oh, 
That's a good I mean, question. It varies. You go first. Yeah, it does Le- vary. So Leif, Leif is very like like clockwork. He eats the same exact things. <laughs> yeah. So typically, um, what I generally do is I base things around kind of a protein source. So in the mornings, I'm really big into oatmeal. That's usually what I'll go with. So I'll usually have oatmeal. I love uh, doing like apple cinnamon oatmeal. So that's usually what I do. And then I'll put some flaxseed in it, chia seed. I usually use um, frozen blueberries and frozen mango. Uh, frozen mango is like one of the best things ever. <laughs> we just snack you, on you that. You can sometimes. eat that like candy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm not a, I'm not a big sweet person at all. I just need like a little bit of fruit and I'm totally good. Uh, I'm more into like savory food. So if you give me some like tortilla chips, that's, that's where I start <laughs> having problems. But, um, yeah, I usually just do oatmeal in the morning. I pretty much do that every morning or tofu scramble. Uh, that's, I'll usually do one of those two. Uh, very rarely will I do something else. And, um, then for lunch, I usually do uh, a baked tofu recipe uh, that we that we use. So when I first went vegan, I had no idea how to make tofu. And I think that's a pretty common problem for vegans or at least uh, older vegans <laughs> who have kind of been at it for a little bit. Now, I think there's a lot more uh, information. But when I first went vegan, I um, the first time I had tofu, I just took a block of tofu out of a package and just uh, warmed it up and then tried to eat it. <laughs> and it was just uh, I was just disgusted and decided, you know what, I'm never trying this tofu thing again. <laughs> like this is disgusting. Uh, but now I've learned how to prepare it correctly. And of course, um, if you add the right seasonings, if you uh, use the right cooking process, then you can uh, make some pretty amazing uh, dishes. So I'll usually have like a, a tofu with salad and I usually have some kind of carbohydrate like rice or something like that on the side and usually use something like bals- uh, balsamic vinegar or some kind of other dressing. Well, you're they- so lucky because you're going to get two free bottles for being on the show today. Oh, that's what oh, I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that's great because I just actually ran out of one. <laughs> this is perfect. So it sounds like you whole food plant-based, like you don't really eat vegan junk food. No, not really. Uh, that's pretty rare. Um, and then I'll do a similar dish for dinner. Uh, there are many days where I'll just have two main meals and then I'll just have fruit or something else in between. Um, I do use protein powder. So I'll have some uh, vegan protein powder in my oatmeal. So um, for people who are more into fitness, you might know that as prots or protein oatmeal. And that's, uh, that's what I create with, with my protein oatmeal and then just have it with fruits. And uh, it's really great. Uh, if you have the right protein power, there are some protein powers that are a little, <laughs> well, not so good. But if you have the right protein powder, um, it can taste really amazing. So yeah, I, we both really stick with as much whole foods as possible. Uh, I love, we both love tons of different vegetables and fruits and uh, so we're constantly cooking, um, the less food that we get out of a package, the better. And, uh, so we've got some really great, uh, grocery stores around here and we just, um, we do a lot of shopping in the kind of, uh, uh, produce section and, and really stick with that as much as possible. Well, we should have had yeah. you guys make a recipe or maybe you'll come back. People love seeing guys cook. I, I, still do that. I, I see that that's something that I, I like to be very creative with is making uh, recipes that are right in line with uh, not ultimately your, your fitness goals, but also health as well. So like my staples are smoothie bowls, smoothies. I love all that stuff. Um, 
but I can also make a pretty incredible vegan pizza. Uh, yeah, if you want myself. a good recipe, <laughs> he makes some amazing vegan pizza. So we do, uh, we don't just stick with like 100% whole foods and stuff like that. We do make kind of more creative dishes. You can do lots of creative things, which is whole foods, but um, yeah, something I, a little bit more process along the lines of like pizza or something. We're still making most of the kind of ingredients and really keeping it kind of as uh, we stay away from all the fake meats. I don't like any of the vegan cheeses. Um, so I stay pretty far away from those and I very rarely eat them. I'd say maybe twice a month I'll have something and I it's usually not even my favorite thing to eat. So I understand. Um, I love that there are so many vegan products. I think it's an amazing kind of on-ramp for people who are interested in focusing on a plant-based diet. But um, but yeah, it's not really for me. And Anders doesn't like them too much either. We've we've gone out to eat. The first time we tried the Impossible Burger, we uh, we asked the waiter like ten times. I, I, I didn't even, it was. I didn't even take a bite of it. Our mom ordered it, and she oh asked, yeah, you didn't take. And a bite. she asked me if I wanted to take a bite of it, and I said it looks too real and smells too real. <laughs> yeah, I decided to take a bite of it, and then I after asking twice, I was like, Are you sure it's vegan? And then after I said, hey, could we just get the chef? I want to just like confirm that what I just consumed is actually vegan. Uh, so it's it's just a little too real for me. Like I I am now I'm not interested in consuming anything that really kind of resembles animal products or tastes like it. So but like you said, it's a great transitional type of thing. Yeah, so. I love that the products are out there. If you enjoy eating those things and that helps you to consume more plants. Awesome. But uh, that's not that's not really my thing. So yeah, we try to stay as as close to whole food as possible. That's great. I still blow in my mind that you actually ate food that was created the year I was born. <laughs> and then 45 years later you're eating. that, that I just that's just like it's like the zombie apocalypse I don't like to admit it <laughs> they were eating twinkies oh but that tell us a little bit about your podcast and people are asking like what what exactly like how do people work with you do, do they come to a gym in person do you work online yeah so we're so we have a program called uh the vegan superhero academy uh you can go to vegan superheroacademy.com uh, for like more information and kind of like what we're all about with that. Um, we are solely online. Um, we work with people around the globe. We have people in Australia, Dubai, Singapore. Uh, and it's really such an amazing way to connect like-minded vegans that want to not only optimize their health, but their body compositions and to get fit and healthy um, all in one spot and be able to get them to uh, one community. So um that's what we really focus on is uh, through the Vegan Superhero Academy. Uh, it is solely a one-on-one -on -one coaching program. So we, it's very customized and tailored to you. And we teach you to get to a point of self-sustainability. So you know exactly the ins and outs of the science and numbers of things. And we, we make it understandable and, and so forth. So you can do all that stuff on your own. Um, because at the end of the day, we just want every, all vegans to thrive. And the only way to thrive is to understand how it works and be able to follow through with it for the rest of your life. Um, so it's a lot more than just saying, hey, here's a coaching program, go do your thing. Uh, we walk you step by step um, and we're huge advocates of accountability, knowledge and guidance throughout the whole process. Um, but Leif is the podcast guy, he'll tell you all about it. 
Um, I listened to a few episodes. Oh, did you? I love the one about why people make, one of the things that was really blew me away is you said something in one of the episodes that like when people give up their fitness for like uh, the holidays, that they do more damage in that one month than benefit that they would have gotten in a, I I don't, I'm not saying it right, but that was. Yeah, no, that's true. So I, yeah, I remember the episode you were talking about and I was basically making the case that if you take off the holidays, like generally people from Thanksgiving to Christmas at the very least are kind of just taking that time off. So that's at least a month. And they're usually kind of heading into the fall thinking, oh, well, I'm going to fall off track anyway. So I'm going to start making uh, missteps here and there. And so they end up taking like two or three months off of the year. And so you say, okay, well, I'm actually committed nine or 10 months out of the year. And then uh, for two or three months, I'm just uh, falling off the wagon and you can do more damage in those two or three months and set yourself back. So you're starting every new year at kind of zero. You're just kind of on this constant treadmill of not seeing results. And it's, um, we're big into building momentum and maintaining momentum. And we see that's something that so many uh, people struggle with is to maintain that momentum. That's why honors was talking about sustainability earlier. That is, that is the crucial piece, like actually having a sustainable uh, system that you follow that's uh, kind of geared towards you and your goals, something that you can actually, um, that becomes a lifestyle. It's not a temporary thing. It becomes a lifestyle and figuring out how to um, introduce that into your life and how to find something that's, that really works for you is a kind of really worthy objective. And it's something that I think everyone should be focusing on. So when you have the right plan that allows you, that doesn't just say, Hey, you need to eat tofu and broccoli for every meal to lose weight or do something, but you actually can introduce the foods that you enjoy consuming on a regular basis. And we're not going crazy and eating tons of it, but we're eating in moderation. So we don't have, uh, so our kind of diet and training is not based on deprivation. It's instead based on the things that we actually like to do because that's how you have sustainability. So I think that's uh, I think that's a huge point. And I'm, I'm sure you've seen that time and time again with people um, who are just kind of stuck in, in a plateau. Right. I just, I find like it's easier to get people to eat right than to exercise. And, and you're so right that once you, there's a question here, like, well, how do you get back on track? I find it's just easier to exercise every day than to miss it because it's just, it's, it's so hard to get your momentum back. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think, uh, so to answer that question, uh, there are lots of different methods. And if you have some time to check out our podcast, the Vegan Gym Podcast, I would highly recommend it because we go into a lot of detail in how to uh, build momentum. That's one of the core things that we focus on in kind of the podcast. We're not just talking about uh, nutrition all the time and training, but more so kind of mindset and the stuff that really supports the nutrition and training. So that's, I think that's um, really a, a great place to start, but a simple method to kind of continue building momentum is, uh, to do something that, um, we call the 10 minute commitment. So whenever, whenever we got a workout and Anders and I all the time have scheduled workouts that we don't want to do, like <laughs> we actually just did a podcast on this. And I said, conservatively, I don't want to do at least half of my workouts. It's not that I don't enjoy 
how I feel with the workouts. It's not that I don't always enjoy the exercises, but it just takes a lot for me to mentally get into my workouts and to continue pushing hard and doing it every single day. It doesn't even need to be every single day, as long as you're doing some kind of form of activity on a regular basis. But um, making the 10 minute commitment, which we, we just say, hey, whatever your scheduled workout is, maybe you're going for a run and you're supposed to run for, uh, you're supposed to do three miles and maybe the average person does that at like 10 minute miles. So it's gonna take you 30 minutes. Instead of going in and saying, hey, I need to do this 30 minute run, that might seem kind of overwhelming. You say, hey, I'm gonna go out and do 10 minutes. I'm gonna to commit to doing 10 minutes. I'm gonna get the first mile done. If I don't wanna continue, then I don't have to continue. And all I'm doing is I'm focusing on consistency. I'm focusing on maintaining the momentum through my training program. And it doesn't mean that I'm doing everything 100%. It doesn't mean that I'm crushing every single workout. It doesn't mean that every single week I'm setting new personal records for the amount I'm lifting or my speed that I'm running, but I'm just consistently showing up day after day. And I might not be able to crush every single workout, but I'm getting it done and I'm maintaining that momentum because when people say, when people see a really tough workout, let's say it's a leg workout, um, at least for guys, that tends to be the one that uh, has the most red flags. So you got, we actually love leg workouts, <laughs> but uh, let's say that you have a leg workout and uh, you have that on a schedule, you know, it's going to take an hour and it's just really um, the idea of going and doing squats and all these other exercises is just a little too overwhelming. So instead of saying, hey, I've got to go get this whole workout done, say, hey, I'm going to the gym for 10 minutes. If I don't want to be there after 10 minutes, then I'm going to just go home. And the funny thing is when you get 10 minutes into a workout, like you start getting all the kind of positive brain chemicals floating around and you're like, wow, this actually feels pretty good. And then you decide, hey, I'm going to stick with the training and uh, I'm going to go in for um, 10 minutes. And so you get that done and then it, uh, it feels really good and you might continue or you might say, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. And then you just leave. But what you did is you maintain that consistency and that even more than the workouts, uh, the benefits that you get from the workouts are what's going to get you results. So it's not about hitting it out of the park every single day. It's about showing up every day. And I think that's a really important piece that allows lots of people to maintain momentum. Neither of us are on top of our nutrition and training 100% of the time. We're on top of it probably 90% of the time. You don't even need to be on top of it 90% of the time. But as long as you're showing up consistently and you're putting in effort and you're doing your best, um, you're going to see results. Well, I love that because I host an annual summit called The Real Truth About Weight Loss and the fitness expert this year is a, works with the, the Lalane family, you know, of Jack Lalane. Yeah. And he always says that consistency trumps intensity anytime that that oh, is I like love that. That's so really important. Good and I do the same thing because when I when I've had injuries, because my, my exercise of choice is daily spinning and I do it if I, I find if I don't do it when I almost oh, I love injury, cycling too. <laughs> yeah, I find if I don't do it almost first thing in the morning, I just I will make excuses all day like I have to do it not not like not immediately but like within the first hour or so of waking up but I, when I've had injuries and it's been like weeks to get back to it I do the same thing I say look you only have to get on the bike five minutes but by then I've already got my all my you know I'm dressed I'm, I'm watching a show because I use my spin time to watch something and it's like yeah 
That's I trick my that's great advice though. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. There's a question. What's your favorite plant milk? Oh. I I love uh soy vanilla uh milks. I, so, I have to second that one. Yeah, yeah that's that's really my go-to. I'm not a big chocolate person. Um in fact, I will never willingly choose chocolate anything. <laughs> but I absolutely love uh vanilla flavor and um I just love the creaminess of soy milk. Um so there's there's so much um there's so much wrong information out there about soy. <clears throat> and I'm sure you've discussed this uh, at length before, but um, but yeah, we have a podcast episode on that as well. If you're interested in the science, but uh, yeah, soy is totally good for you, and I we consume soy every day. So nice, nice. Yeah. So uh, Heather's saying, what advice would you give to a man who is six feet tall but weighs only 150 pounds and would like to gain weight slash muscle? He's 25 years old. Yeah. So I. I'm just uh, a tad under six feet tall. And when I graduated high school, I was 130 pounds, um, pretty much the same height back then. So I've been exactly where he is, even a little uh, thinner than that. And it, um, it, was, it took me a while to kind of figure out the, the right approach. But um, the things that you really need to be focusing on when it comes to building muscle are for one, you want to be in a caloric surplus. So you want to be consuming slightly more calories than you burn every day. Um, so I would recommend going through and calculating your activity burn. Uh, so how many calories per day are you burning? You want to be in about a five to 10% caloric surplus, meaning you're uh, like uh, 1.05 or 1.1 times your uh, energy burn that you have every single day. So that's um, what you should be doing with calories. Your protein intake should be uh, uh, higher. It depends on exactly what your goals are and depends on exactly what your training looks like. Uh, but generally speaking, we recommend about uh, two grams per kilogram of body weight. So that's kind of a general target recommendation. I know that's much higher than you need, but um, so there are, there are different um, kind of uh, groups of thought when it comes to protein intake. And you have kind of the whole fitness kind of science and culture side of things that says, hey, you need to be consuming more protein. Uh, we've run into lots of people who are kind of in the whole food, uh, kind of plant-based camp who say, hey, you only need like 50 grams of protein a day, 50 to 60 grams of uh, protein a day, depending on your exact physical characteristics. That's true, but it's only true for survival. So if you are doing uh, any kind of athletic activity, specifically weight training, um, that breaks down your muscle fibers. You need to rebuild that muscle fiber and, um, that requires protein. So your body needs protein to be able to, uh, complete that cycle. So you should be consuming a higher protein diet. It's generally about twice, um, the needs of a sedentary individual. So I generally aim for about 160 to 180 grams of protein per day. And Anders weighs less than I do. He weighs about 30 pounds less than I do. So he's consuming about 30 grams less than those targets. But um, it's with just kind of purposeful planning, it's pretty easy to hit that protein target. So you just need to identify the central um, kind of vegan protein sources that you're interested in. For me, it's uh, tofu. I love that. Um, also some protein pastas. I love bonza pasta. 
Um, I also do uh, protein powder, as I mentioned earlier, and um, everything else has protein in it as well. So even leafy greens, oatmeal, all this other stuff has protein. So it all adds up pretty quickly, and it's really not difficult to hit those higher protein targets. Now, not everyone needs that much protein. And again, it depends on your exact goals. It depends on how much you, uh, much training you do, how intense the training is, exactly what kind of training it is. But generally speaking, um, I would recommend for a guy that's trying to build muscle about uh, two, two grams per kilogram of uh, body weight per day. So it can be anywhere from 1.6 grams to two grams uh, per kilogram body weight per day. And so we covered calories, we'd cover protein. And then when it comes to your training, um, what you wanna focus on is what's known as progressive overload. So what you wanna do is you wanna lift progressively more weight over time. And that's the way that your body, uh, when you lift weights, you, you cause tiny micro tears in your muscle and you break down your muscle and then the muscle rebuilds itself into something that's stronger and capable of lifting more weights. So to um, produce the same effects on the stronger muscle, you need to lift more weights. So it's just kind of this constant cycle of kind of walking up uh, the staircase of kind of progressive overload where you're constantly um, exposing your body to higher and higher uh, training stimuli. And that's what you do through lifting more weight over time. So you start with, um, let's say you're doing bench press and you're doing hundred pounds when you start and you're doing hundred pounds for six to eight reps for let's say three sets. And then you, um, for your next workout, you go up to 105 pounds and then you work through that. And then you just constantly try to work up to higher weights over time. So when I first started, I could barely lift the bar for pretty much every exercise. I had virtually no um, uh, muscle and, uh, and no strength. And now I can deadlift 500 pounds and move all this weight just because I've focused on that. And that doesn't necessarily align with everyone's goals. Again, it comes down to exactly what you want to achieve. Um, we're actually training for our first full Ironman right now, which we're going to be doing in September. So my training has changed for that. And we're both balancing weight training with endurance training. So it's kind of a new style of training and we're probably not going to hit any um, really impressive lifting numbers over the next year as we're training for this. But that's not the point. What we're doing is we're lifting to maintain our strength and kind of maintain our physiques, uh, but then also focus on building up that endurance and making sure that we can crush the Ironman in September. So again, it depends totally on your kind of what you're trying to accomplish, it depends on your goals. But um, doing some kind of weight training is really important and not going in there and lifting the same thing every day, but focusing on progressive overload, trying to lift heavier weights over time. That's how you build muscle. And uh, we recommend that for women as well. So lots of women are uh, tend to be scared when it comes to lifting weights. They don't want to look big and bulky. I totally understand uh, but you simply don't have the same cocktail of hormones that men do that enables them to get big and bulky. So um, if you want kind of a lean athletic physique, weight training is also a really effective method for, uh, for you to accomplish that. And we recommend the same thing when it comes to shredding body fat. So the 
not when you're shredding body fat, you want to uh, obviously lose fat, but at the same time, you want to maintain at the bare minimum or preferably increase your lean muscle mass. So how do you do that? You do that through weight training. Weight training burns a ton of calories and it also contributes to a higher level of uh, lean muscle mass. So you're going to look more fit, you're going to feel better, and you're going to have more of that kind of like athletic look, that uh, sculpted athletic look that a lot of women are going for. So those are the three general recommendations. I would say slight caloric surplus of about five to 10%, and then uh, consuming a higher protein diet and then focusing on weight training. Those are the three keys. Those are the things that I focus on. That's what Andres is focused on. And <clears throat> now I'm I've gained uh, 60 pounds since that point, and I'm even leaner than I was back then, and I can do a lot more uh, with lifting and, uh, and other kind of forms of activity. So those are the three things I'd focus on. And one last thing, when it comes to your training, it's very important that you don't just focus on doing little accessory movements like bicep curls and stuff. What you want to be doing is focusing on I'm all about going to the gym and getting kind of the most bang for your buck and the best exercises for uh, just overall effectiveness and efficiency are compound exercises. So quite simply, compound exercises are just exercises that recruit multiple muscle groups and require multiple joints. So I'm talking about things like a squat, the deadlift, bench press, overhead press, other exercises like that that require more total muscle uh, re uh, recruitment. And that's going to um, give you better results over time. So you're going into the gym and it's also more functional strength. So if you're able to squat heavy, that's a lot better than, or not even heavy, but you're just able to squat with proper form and you can move some weight and you feel good about it. Uh, that's going to be a lot more effective than just doing leg curls or, um, doing things like leg extensions and other machines that are really just targeted at a very specific muscle group. So it's a lot more effective at uh, building overall athleticism, which is not just good for sports, but also good for people who want to uh, just be kind of in shape and be able to um, tackle life. That, that, great, thank you so much. Zena says, would your recommendation change for women, especially if the woman is carrying some extra body fat but wants to gain more muscle while losing weight? Yeah, it's a great, uh, great question. So the general recommendations are the same, are very similar. So what, uh, what we focus on is, first of all, you need to be in a caloric deficit. Um, so when it's uh, at the end of the day, the only thing that is going to allow you to shred body fat period is um, focusing on energy balance. So if you are consuming an excess of calories, you will never lose weight. It's not possible. So you look at how many calories you're burning per day. You have to be consuming less than that, or your body is not going to be shredding any body fat. So it depends on your exact goals. It depends on starting physique, but generally somewhere between a 10 to 25% caloric deficit is a pretty good place to start. 
So if you have a little bit more body fat, I'd recommend um, towards kind of the higher end of that, that category. So let's say it's a 25% caloric deficit. What you would do is you would take your total daily energy expenditure, um, which would just be kind of 100%. You multiply that by 0.75, and that would be your caloric target. And then you would break your caloric target into um, preferably different macronutrients. So there are three different macronutrients. You have protein, carbohydrates, and dietary fats. They're all necessary. So lots of people are anti-carb, especially when it comes to weight loss. That is the wrong approach. Uh, there's nothing wrong with consuming carbs and uh, it's not gonna slow fat loss whatsoever. And um, so just maintaining balance between kind of the three carbohydrates, making sure that you're consuming a higher protein content. Um, which will make you feel more satiated, which makes it easier to uh, lose body fat without feeling hungry. It also allows you to maintain or preferably build lean muscle mass while you are shredding body fat. Yes, it is totally possible. Uh, it's known as body recomposition and it's something that uh, we are pretty good at. And um, also uh, focusing on carbohydrates. Carbohydrates are necessary for energy <clears throat> and lots of the healthiest foods in the world we're talking about fruits and veggies. Uh, they're mostly carbohydrates. So carbohydrates are not bad. It's something that you should be consuming in your diet and just making sure that you're balancing all of those is important. Um, and then when it comes to weight training, yes, you're going to be doing kind of the same movements and you can add cardio if you want on top of weight training, but it's not really necessary. Generally, what we do with clients is we say, hey, let's focus on the weight training so you can maintain or preferably build lean muscle mass while also shredding body fats just as quickly as you could be doing uh, with cardio. And then on top of that, we're just uh, focusing on increasing uh, what's known as your non-exercise activity uh, thermogenesis, which is a fancy, uh, which is the abbreviation NEAT. And it's basically all of the calories that you are burning throughout the day related to non-exercise uh, activity. So things like fidgeting or walking around the office or taking the dogs out and playing with them, stuff like that. So we generally look at kind of step counts and we say, hey, let's set a goal to walk uh, 10,000 steps per day. So you walk 10,000 steps per day, it can be to the bathroom, it can be to the store, it can be wherever. You just uh, wear some kind of activity monitor for me. I like wearing uh, an Apple watch, but whatever you have access to, you can just use your phone and uh, kind of using that to burn more calories, um, but um, kind of making the central focus of your training program around weight training. That is going to get you the best results. And it's, um, it's going to, lots of people have the problem when they lose weight that, they, that the scale goes down, but they kind of look the same as they did when they first started. So the way that you break out of that is by making sure that you're not losing lean muscle mass while you are losing body weight or specifically body I, fat. I, I was going to touch on that is like, you, you don't want to be focusing on weight loss. You want to be focusing on fat loss specifically. Uh, something that we say all the time is um, we, we would ask you the questions like, hey, if I could snap my fingers, you could lose 10 pounds right now. Would you do it? And if they say yes, it's like, okay, well, let me just make you lose 10 pounds of muscle. There we go. Like, would you want that? No, your, your physique's going to be completely different in the, uh, the direction you don't want to be going. Um, so it's, it's just really calculated. Uh, and you have to, uh, like Leif was saying, have balanced macronutrients um, in order to preserve the lean muscle mass, 
have enough fuel and energy, and then also have enough fat for uh, your hormone levels for you to be fully efficient through this whole process uh, and get you from A to B as quickly, as efficiently and sustainably as possible. Um, so you're not spinning your wheels and kind of burning yourself out. Um, sorry yeah. to jump in there, no. but that's essentially, that's, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, that's basic. That's basically it. So it's the same three things. We're focusing on energy balance. We're focusing on protein intake or kind of more broadly your macronutrient breakdown. Um, and then we're also focusing on the right types of training. So resistance training, if you don't have access to a gym, you can do that with resistance bands as well. We've had, we've had clients come in and they lose 20 pounds of fat and they gain 10 pounds of muscle in three months with resistance bands and body weight exercises. So it's totally possible. And it's just a matter of figuring out exactly what your goals are, what you want to accomplish and, um, make sure that you are, uh, have the right plan in place to, to crush those goals. Nice. Yeah. People are asking you, Anders, when you were competing, did you change your diet when you were doing the competitive bodybuilding? No, I, I, it's the principles of, uh, sorry, the fundamentals of body composition and energy balance and optimizing vegan nutrition. It's exactly what we've been saying. Um, you'll hear in the bodybuilding world, like cycle this, cycle that, use diuretics or like all these crazy approaches. I never use any of that. Um, it, it just comes down to the numbers of things, which we geek out about. So, um, it's a lot more simple than people make it out to be, but it's also very calculated. Um, so that's where a lot of people, uh, kind of like fall off the wagon as far they kind of like dive into the weeds versus focusing on the, the core fundamentals first, and then kind of analyzing and, and dive into different routes once they become more experienced. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's nothing changes. Sorry. It's kind of boring. <laughs> There's a question. What do you think of using bands when you can't afford weights for weight training? 100%. Yes. Uh, I think in many situations, bands are even more effective um, at promoting flexibility, recruiting uh, tiny little stabilizing muscles that your body requires to be kind of athletic and generally um, fit. So I think uh, just using bands is amazing. And it also really helps to be able to travel with bands. So I think there are lots of really amazing benefits of bands. And I've been working them into my training now. Uh, our gym has opened, so I've gone back to weight training. But um, when COVID first hit and we were, uh, when our gyms closed down, we ordered all these resistance bands and we just started figuring out kind of these new styles of working out. We transitioned all of our clients from more like weight training programs to resistance band programs. And we saw just phenomenal results across the board. And to be honest, I was pretty surprised. I was a little skeptical about uh, using bands and using that as kind of your sole uh, focus, but we saw the the same client results that we had seen with weights uh, with resistance bands. So uh, that's something that I've incorporated into my training more so now that I'm back in the gym and lifting weights. So I add bands to things and I just play around with it. And it's kind of opened up a, a whole different um, world of training to me. Uh, similar to when I went uh, plant-based and I started discovering like all these new foods and recipes and stuff that just totally uh, surprised me. So I think resistance bands are, are really awesome. But again, it comes down to progressive overload. Um, your muscle doesn't know the difference between a resistance band or a kettlebell or a barbell or 
It doesn't know the difference. All it knows is how much tension you are inducing in the muscle fiber and how hard you're working it. So you can get just as good of a workout with resistance bands because you're creating mechanical tension through resistance. And that's something that's just as effective as lifting weights. So if you're trying to enter a powerlifting competition or something where you have to do very specific movements and you have to be able to squat and deadlift a lot of weight, then yeah, you're probably going to be at a disadvantage if you just focus on resistance band training. But if your focus is to improve your body composition, that's something that um, uh, you can do with just bands. So I think it's really effective. Thanks. A couple of people are asking, what is your favorite brand of protein powder and how do you make your protes? So, yeah, so uh, we actually have a quite comical, but very in-depth analysis of uh, the top brands of vegan protein powders on our YouTube channel. Um, it's like a, a 15 minute video that uh, shows our reactions. We base it off of um, uh, multiple factors uh, as we like test throughout that whole video. Um, my personal favorite is plant fusion. Uh, that's just one that I gravitate towards. I just like how it dissolves in the water. It's very smooth. Uh, it's not thick or anything. That's just my preference. Um, and the way that I consume it is literally with just water. Um, it's one of those protein powders that you don't have to worry about the, the nasty tastes or the aftertaste or whatever. Um, but that's typically how I consume, uh, the protein powder that I have. Yeah, my favorites, I kind of bounce around a few different ones. Uh, True Nutrition is one that I gravitate to a lot. Um, if you're on a tighter budget, that's generally the best recommendation because they have um, some really kind of uh, some lower prices because they don't do much marketing. They just put everything into the product. So True Nutrition. Um, and then also uh, Plant Fusion, I use that sometimes. Uh, my current favorite is KOS. So I'm using, I think, I think you just pronounce it with the acronym. I don't know if it's, if it's cost or something, <laughs> but uh, KOS and uh, I just have the, the vegan um, uh, vanilla protein. So yeah, if you go onto YouTube and just type in vegan protein powder review, uh, it's going to be the first one that pops up for some reason, people really like the video. So it's, uh, it's become kind of popular. Yeah. So, and we yeah, find you that on YouTube. Yep. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll look for it and try to put it in the show notes. Do you think that having overcome cancer at such a young age has changed your perspective on living? So like when, when little things happen, like somebody cuts you off in traffic, it's like not that big of a deal anymore. Um, I wish I could say hundred percent. Yes, <laughs> but uh, it has shifted my perspective in a lot of ways. I do um, tend to get frustrated with little things like that. Um and that's something that I'm working on, but that's, that's not due to what I went through with cancer or anything else. Uh, but actually going through that experience has really um, more so forced me to focus on kind of my life's purpose and to think more about what I really want to create out of my life and what I want to, the kind of impact that I want to have in the world. So that's been kind of the central thing that I learned through that process. And it really kind of opened my eyes to the, um, the, the just reality that our time is limited and you need to make the most of every single day. And I try to 
live as best as I can and, and have kind of cultivate relationships, make sure that I'm giving back and really doing the best that I can do to make the world a better place, not just from kind of a broader perspective, but also uh, in kind of just small daily interactions. So yeah, that's something that, um, that really facing your mortality and kind of thinking through like, hey, I, I don't know how much time I have left. So I really want to uh, make the most of that time and, and make sure that I'm helping people as much as possible. So that's really what I got out of it. Great. And, and Anders, what did you get out of being in the, in the Marines that, that you've taken to? The, uh, the, I took freedom. Uh, I took advantage of freedom. Uh, <laughs> so like getting out of the military, um, it has provided me with such insight of uh, what a hard work ethic is, um, what commitment is, what um, my my mission is, and it really shaped me to become the the man that I want to be, and that I couldn't see in the beginning of when I went into the military, um, and so it's just provided me with a a path of a vision of where exactly I want to be going, and it's just like life, it's like. I, I'm a massive giver. I always have been, but I've never, uh, during that whole time, like I don't know, didn't know what I wanted to do or what direction to go in. And after I served in the military, I knew that I had to continue serving people for the rest of my life. Um, and now that I'm able to put the two things I love most together, which veganism and, and athletics, uh, I think th this is exactly what I was destined to do and the impact that you can have on individuals' lives. And like Leif was saying earlier, the ripple effect to that, um, that's now that the biggest takeaway is one, I didn't want to continue doing the military and two, um, I, I wanted to continue to serve people. Well, I thank you for your service then and I thank you both for your service now. Is the video you're talking about called the Ultimate Vegan Protein Powder Review? Is it, it that sure one? sure is, yeah. yep. I have like crazy it, goggles on or something like that. Okay, I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna put it in the chat right now and I'm also gonna put it in the show notes. Well, this has been really great getting to know you guys and I wish you every success with your business. And uh, it's so great seeing young men, you know, expose more people to a plant-based diet. Yeah, thank, thank you so you. much for this opportunity, AJ. It was so nice to meet you, really. And thanks all of you for watching another episode of Chef AJ Live. Please come back at 1 p.m. We have another show today. Once a month, we have Tuesdays with Thomas. He's going to be making recipes with white California balsamic vinegar. And you guys each get to choose whatever flavor you want. I'll be sending you an email of California balsamic. And I'm so happy that it's perfect timing. Don't make the viewers jealous. <laughs> <laughs> well, they can possibly be on the show, but you have to oh, be in the United States. So thanks, guys, so much. Take